With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. And find Mitch on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, you got your sleeves rolled up for uh, tomorrow, Satterfield and White uh, at the podium. Good to spend time with you. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Yep, good to be with you on the other side of the holiday season. Hope uh, it all went well for you. And, and back to football we get on a Friday at Memorial Stadium with the new coordinators. Looking forward to it. What has this this bowl season shown you? And we, we hit on it a little bit yesterday, but the, the the reaction initially to the to the three three five defense and honestly a lot of a lot of squads run that some variation of it and didn't have horrible results. And of course TCU will be front and center. Uh, with their defense, and I know they're all a little bit different, but pretty good showcase with um, athleticism and, and pressure uh, with uh, these different three-three-five defenses. Right, you saw it at Mississippi State and Syracuse, um, a couple of schools that run variations of the three-three-five that are directly linked to what Tony White does. You know, Mississippi State, of of course, is it, it comes it comes straight from the um the rocky long school of of uh of defense there and, and rocky long was the the mentor for for tony white and has has taken over at, at syracuse now for tony so there's a there's a lot of connections when it comes to teams that run that defense tcu has their own version that didn't come out of of the same um coaching tree that produced tony white here in lincoln and it was interesting to watch the way that that game unfolded, in, in part because it was against a big, physical, Big Ten team in Michigan. I think there was some some comments made, a little snickering before the game about how that defensive front might stack up against Michigan's physical play. And you looked at it at halftime, and you know, Michigan had squandered some opportunities inside the five-yard line, but six points on the board at halftime was not in any way what – what they were anticipating uh, against that defense or any defense. And, you know, I think some people made some comments, including myself about how the three, three, five was stacking up against Michigan and they go out and score 39 points in the second half. So, you know, there was some good and some bad. I, w- I will say this in my observation at the end of the day, when it went in, in the Fiesta bowl and how the three, three, five worked against a, a strong big 10 opponent. I-, I think Michigan against TCU no matter the scheme, no matter the defensive scheme that the Horn Frogs played that day on New Year's Eve, Michigan was going to score some points and put up some yards eventually in that game. Against personnel, Michigan had some advantages. The reason that TCU won, other than, than outscoring Michigan and, and having Max Duggan and, and getting, what, 51 points, um, is that the defense made plays that, that 
that kept TCU in the game. I don't know that another defensive scheme that isn't quite as disruptive turns in 11 TFLs. And certainly the two pick sixes were against J.J. McCarthy, and that was not a, a, you know, a, a staple of, of his play during the season. He was very uh, efficient with the football. Um, but to throw two pick sixes, it's tough to win any game. And I think you can look to the defensive scheme that TCU threw out there um, as perhaps confusing Michigan in some ways. So it'll be interesting to see um, how Nebraska moving forward is able to utilize that defensive look, if in fact it's similar to what TCU did to create the kind of confusion that we saw on New Year's Eve in uh, Phoenix. Mitch, on the flip side of things, the offensive side, it was uh, Coach Chatterfield's offense with South Carolina. I know he wasn't coaching in the ball game, but they were able to put up 38 points against Notre Dame. And if you go look back at Notre Dame season, the only other team to do that was USC. And it should be noted, a couple teams got into uh, the 30-point range with that Notre Dame defense. But South Carolina able to put up 38 points in the bowl game. What did you take away from that offensive showing? And what do you think it means for Nebraska's offense moving forward? Sure. I mean, South Carolina with Spencer Rattler had an explosive offense and I don't believe all of those 38 points were put up on the offensive side by South Carolina there was a was there a long pick six almost 100 um, yards yeah, yeah. Almost 100 yard, yeah. 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 that's about that's long that's that's, that's uh, <laughs> qualifies as, as long hmm. but yeah I mean Elijah the South Carolina offense it's not not just against Notre Dame and, and a good defense there but look at what South Carolina did with Satterfield coaching that group to end the season against Tennessee and Clemson. And you saw a team that was as hot offensively as any group in the country. And, you know, I, I haven't sat down to dissect it enough, and, and, and I can't say that I've watched film um, of what South Carolina did offensively against Clemson and Tennessee that allowed them to break out the way that they did. But I do know that that offense that he designed was as hot as any offense in the country in the last two to three games of the year. I think the uh, the credit you give to Satterfield from from my eyes watching it was that he did design an offense that fit his players, and whether or not that, that can be the same at Nebraska, I guess, remains to be seen. But that, I think that's the credit to him with what he had at South Carolina. There were some sputters early with that offense, but eventually the offense found their footing, and it was an offense that, that fit the strengths of his players. And I, I guess my question to you is when you look at this offense next season, what do you think is going to be a strength? Do you, do you believe what Matt Rule says that, you know what, we believe the offensive line and the rushing attack can be a strength? It's going to have to be for Nebraska to, to to put out an effective offense, you know. And we don't know the entire personnel lineup at this point. You know, there's more work to be done in the transfer portal uh, between now and and the summer. So I think you could see Nebraska add another tight end. I think you could see Nebraska add another receiver or two. Um, perhaps they're done at running back with with AJ Allen and, and Anthony Grant, or you know, switch that order in in line to return. Um, you know, along with with some others, uh, Gabe Irvin, uh, Ramir Johnson is is still around. Um, it would look like the Huskers are in pretty good shape at running back. But you know, so much about what Nebraska's offense is going to look like, of course, comes down to the quarterback. And and you know, there's there's uncertainty at that spot right now as as Jeff Sims, Sims comes in this month as a transfer from Georgia Tech, and Casey Thompson works to get himself healthy. I don't, I don't know that we'll have answers to that question after the spring because it's unlikely that Casey Thompson is going to be 100% or anywhere near 100%. I don't think he's going to take hits in the spring. And why would you? You know, if you have a, a sixth-year guy 
who is as old and experienced as, as Casey Thompson, and he's somebody who's in the running to be your starting quarterback. There's just not a lot of sense if he's coming off of an injury to send him out there and, and have him take any kind of contact, or in his case, with shoulder surgery, um, really put that, put that shoulder under duress with, with a lot of throws um, until you absolutely need him to in August. Mitch Sherman's with us here. Hail Varsity Radio. Mitch, you got busy uh, right before the new year with a story and uh, got your crystal ball out here with the rule era and some predictions and uh, thoughts for for the uh, new year in 2023. Focus on a couple of names in your story, Thomas Fedoni and Teddy Prohaska, uh, both guys that have a, a tremendous upside, both guys that have battled injuries. And do you think uh, moving forward, those are two guys that, that can make, and do they have to make a, an impact with Nebraska moving forward? Uh, and no fault of their own. They've done a great job of rehabbing. I uh, really haven't had much of a glimpse of Fedoni and uh, a small snippet of Teddy. Yeah, you remember these guys were cornerstones. They were, they were arguably the two premier signees in Nebraska's 2021 class. And then with, with Thomas, it's been one spring with a knee injury and then the next spring with another knee injury. And, you know, I think the big focus for him is, is building, um, building strength and building muscle and, and working on his flexibility. You know, from the time that he signed with Nebraska and, and, and came on our radar, actually even before he signed with Nebraska when he was a big-time recruit out of Council Bluffs, um, you looked at his body and you looked at the way that he played the game and you know, like there was always kind of a concern about injury prevention because he's so angular and so long and, you know, he's a big target coming across the middle that, that he was opening himself. He was going to be opened up to taking lots of hits and, and um, he was going to need to do things to, to, to prevent injuries that unfortunately have plagued his career through two years at Nebraska. So the hope is, is that he can avoid anything like that. And I think it starts in, in off the field stuff. It starts in, in the way that he trains and the, and the way that he gets his, his body ready to go. I mean, he's in shape and always has been in shape, but there um, are certainly other things that, that he needs to do to build strength and flexibility that can help him be less likely to, to have another one of those problems. It's the same knee that, that he's messed up both times. So, you know, I think he's kind of at the end, end of the line there. You can't have that happen to the same knee a third time or, I, I just don't really see how you can go forward. There, there, there's probably not much that, that doctors can do if they have to go in there a third time. So it's now or never um, to some degree. I mean, certainly he could have another kind of injury and come back from it, but that knee is, you know, it needs to stay healthy for Fedoni. And if it does, then you know, his, his ceiling as a tight end in this offense is higher than any, any other player on the roster um, at, at that position. And for Teddy, um, you know, different injuries in the two years that he's been here. So he's not in the same situation necessarily as Thomas, where it, it's now or never. Um, but, you know, you, you want to see him have success and, and stay on the field in, in this third year in the program. He's so big um, at, at his size as an offensive tackle that, you know, I think there's always going to be a little bit of concern about um, lower body stuff. And I think it was, an, it, it was there were some upper body injuries that, that happened to him in, in this 2022 season. But for both of those guys, yeah, the focus is, has got to be staying healthy, staying on the field. And if they're in that condition, then then they're both going to be in position to really help this team next year. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. And Max Duggan, uh, a player you know and have covered, and his story at TCU well-documented. Uh, what would it uh, mean and say for TCU to be a, a 
uh, able to come out on top of Georgia. I know that line's pretty steep, but overall with, with Duggan, what's he have to do Monday night? He's kind of got to be Superman against that Georgia defense, don't you think? I think so. I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and he's been that uh, often this season for TCU. They're, they're you know, a running threat, a passing threat. You know, and, and I watched closely TCU's last two games, both the, the Big 12 championship and then, of course, the, the game against Michigan in the, in, on New Year's Eve. And, and he seems to be able to do it all. And that's going to have to be the case again. And I think this task that he's got in front of him on Monday night against Georgia is, is clearly the steepest of those three because of the athletes that Georgia has on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, Ohio State, I think, put out a blueprint. Um, incredible athletes. And, and if there's any team in the country that has more athletes than Georgia, um, you know, it's, well, it's, it's Alabama or, or it's Ohio State. And Ohio State showed that um, in, in the other semifinal and, and nearly walked away with, with a win against Georgia, but Georgia survives. And I, I think Georgia's got the strongest defense of any of the teams in the CFP field. So the challenge is steep for, for Max, but you know, he's really overcome all of them that have been placed in front of him, not just this year, but in his career to have started as a true freshman and to have overcome a health scare after the, the pandemic and, and to have battled back from being benched at the start of this season to finish second in the, in the Heisman. Um, you know, it's a great story for, for a, a guy from, from Council Bluffs, Iowa, to be doing what he's doing and, and play on the stage. So um, looking forward to watching him and the Frogs on Monday night. Mitch, we'll check in next week. Thanks for your time at Insight as always. All right. Thanks, Chris.